Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. And my guest today is Dr. Alphonse Kander, Kander. And our topic is rising stock. I've had a few people asking why I've been starting my program at late. I actually that all of us are online, even the news readers. So just bear with us, please, in this time of COVID. We are trying to do the best we can. And thank you so much, Craig and Wussy, for keeping us on air. Welcome, Dr. Kanda. Are you there? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Sue. Uh, thank you. Good morning, and uh, good morning to all your listeners. Thank you for having me in your show. I'm so pleased to have you. I just need to introduce you. Dr. Kanda is a mental health practitioner. He did his neuropsychiatry um, in the DRC Congo. He is a refugee from there, and he's a, a, a logotherapist. He's also a, a trainer for the advanced and diplomat courses at UNISA of Logotherapy. And he's also just completed his master's in anthropology. He's waiting for his research to be, mar to be marked. So he comes with a vast degree of, of unbelievable knowledge. And I just wanted to tell you that I, I have known Dr. Kanda for the last, I think, 14 years, Kanda, is that right? Yes, yes, I believe so, yes, for 14 years, yeah. Yes, um, when, uh, the reason why I call him Kanda is actually out of respect because when he came into UNISA for logotherapy, he announced himself as Kanda. So we all called him Kanda, not realizing that he, it was actually Dr. Kanda. So this is Dr. Kanda, but you know, he it was a colleague of mine 14 years ago and then a really respected and trusted friend. And for all of us who knew him then and have known him since, we have great admiration for his courage, his perseverance, his unbelievable resilience. And we really admire him for his dedication and his knowledge. And Pan, um, who is part of the Viktor Frankl Institute, said that he puts his heart and soul into training his students with much love, care and support. So that is you, Dr. Kanda. What have you got to say about your own training? <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you very much. I don't know where to start um, about my own training. What, what, what I can say at this stage is that my own training is an ongoing training. I'm, uh, I used to say I'm a fellow human being on a continuous journey of learning. Um, that's where I am now. Um, yeah, especially with the COVID uh, pandemic we have currently, it's, it's just so much um, experience we are going through to learn more about uh, our condition as a human being. And of course, at the same time, being also very anxious with the many loss and the pain the, the pandemic is causing. 
Yeah, so I'm in a continuous learning journey. And, you know, I would like to take you back for a moment to when you actually left the DRC Congo. What age were you at the time? Yeah, when I left uh, DRC Congo, I should be in my early 30s. I was in my early 30s when I left uh, DRC Congo. I left DRC Congo against my own wish. Um, I left because uh, the, the the country had gone into a political uh, and uh, tri- tribal turmoil where people there were f- war and 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 uh, violence in uh, some part of the some part of the country, including the southern region of the country where my family was living. So. Uh, and prepared to me, uh, I had to to leave the, the the country for my own safety and that of my 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 family. And uh, in the process, uh, I decided to continue my training outside the country. And what was your experience coming to South Africa as an immigrant? And um, and were you were French speaking? I should imagine then. Yes. Yes. Um, it was not an easy experience at all. I should say, already at home through my uh, training, uh, because I was um, I went for a postgraduate training in neuro in neuropsychiatry. I completed my time, but uh, I could not sit and write the exams because of the the, the political um, turmoil, as I said. So mm. through my own training, I was already. Um, aware of of the difference uh, culture, culture the difference of uh, cultural differences and that's the reason why I was actually interested already then into um, trans uh, cultural psychiatry so 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 when 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 I came to to South Africa yes it was then a personal experience of living two different world. Uh, living uh, into different uh, different uh, different cultures starting with the language as you said so so mm-hmm. the transition was not was not easy at all especially that on top of that going through that transition i went through that transition with um the loss of my late wife i had lost my wife as i was uh, leaving home coming to to, to south africa uh, I had come first, and um, unfortunately, she delivered twins, and two months later, she died. So, 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 yeah. with with that experience of of, of bereavement, uh, it was not definitely easy to to um, to go through that change of 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 different context with different uh, with different culture. Yeah. It must have been an extremely lonely time for you to have to go through a bereavement like that in a new country and on your own. Mm. Yes, it was. It was. It was a very lonely and painful experience uh, mm-hmm. being far away from home and being on your own in a different country. Uh, that's uh, an experience of isolation, definitely, which which was very very painful and very challenging to me. And mm-hmm. um, that experience on its own as well pushed me to 
to question my own practice uh, because I was uh, practicing uh, <clears throat> the mental health then uh, in, in terms of just reflecting on how we take care of each other as, as, as human beings. But mm -hmm. I should admit it was a very, very painful, very, very painful moment because mm -hmm. it, it, it gave me sometimes quite clear suicidal thoughts of just finding that life was just meaningless because you uh, just have lost somebody who I loved, somebody who have just delivered twins. Mm -hmm. So one would be expecting to have a happy life, uh, a blessing with, with twins. But mm -hmm. um, that was uh, not to be because, um, unfortunately, my, my, my late wife uh, died. So, so it was it was quite a painful experience, and as you said, and quite an isolating uh, moment in, in my life. It must have been dreadful. But unfor we're going to get back to that. We've just got to go to an ad break, and and then I'm going to just have to read a live read, and then I'll get back to you in a moment, Dr. Kanda. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. One of the biggest and most life-threatening mysteries is how the virus causes silent hypoxia, a condition when oxygen levels in the body are abnormally low. Through the administration of concentrated oxygen, whilst in a pressurized hyperbaric environment, oxygenate assists in reverting this and creating hyperoxia, a state in which oxygen supply is excessive. Fast track your recovery from long-term COVID effects. Contact this number on 086-099-5288. This is Sue Jackson on Chai FM, and I'm back with Dr. Alphonse Kanda. And uh, Dr. Kanda was telling us the very sad time of when he had to leave the Congo as a refugee. His wife had just, his late wife had just given birth to twins and then passed away. And he had to deal with this in a strange country. Dr. Kanda, I'm back with you. Yeah. Are you there? Okay. What? I am could, here, yes. Would you please tell me what happened to the twins at this stage? Uh, the, the twins, the twins have turned out to be big, big men now. I actually mm -hmm. have to go through my own transition of no more calling them uh, uh, um, children. They are now adults. They are now uh, big men, and they are quite creative and artistic. They are currently in their own learning, but they are also now teaching dance. They are actually... Uh, dance professional dance teacher, and so I they, they are actually... quite. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. go on. No, I wanted can... to say they are quite quite a bunch of joy in my life, as uh, they also have their younger brother and sisters who have come into life, and they've embraced these brothers and uh, brother and sister who they've also initiated them into dance. They are also great dancers. I can definitely say that I have got the most beautiful great dancers children. Yeah. And a wonderful wife too. 
<laughs> yes, yes. The the, 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 the my twins got blessed uh, with a very uh, caring, beautiful, and smart smart uh, woman who decided uh, to, to choose to be in my life uh, to help me raise these children. So I'm very blessed to have my my wife, the the, the mother of uh, of uh, of my children. And Dr. Kanda, are those the boys that I saw dancing at at, um, one of the ceremonies, the logotherapy um, ceremonies? Are are those the twins? Well, I can certainly vouch that they are very beautiful young men and exceptional dancers. (laughs) Now, you know, Viktor Frankl said, decisions, not conditions, determine what a man is. And I think as you are talking, it's becoming very, very clear that you had to find meaning in your despair. How did you go about doing that? Yeah, that 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 quote from 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 Frankel is it's 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 a it's a true quote. But in real life, it can sound very um, impossible. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter that the, 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 what Frankl says what was totally, totally right. By the moment I left home, I, I was quite uh, frustrated and unhappy with life because when I left home, I left seeing another human being healing another human being or mm-hmm. injuring or causing harm, physical harm to another be- human being just because the person is not from your political party or because the person is not from your uh, your tribe. That, mm. that, that, that was on its own very, very painful. Um, it was painful to see a place where you grew up knowing that it's your home and being told you are not from here, so you should leave. That was very, very painful. Must so it was painful, yes. It was painful as well, as I said, to have lost my, my, my wife as, as I lost her. Now, to come back to your question, Franco definitely is right, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. One, yeah, it's not easy. So, so, so what, what, what I think was a blessing for me was definitely the twins and mm-hmm. they mom who came into my life. Those three were the blessing for me because they actually, they coming into my life or them being into my life made me realize that there was more to life than what I was going through. And uh, I was still worth uh, living. So so I think that in a, in a, there are many other events, but definitely the twins and, and they uh, and they mom who uh, accepted to to to, to, to Live with me definitely were, were, were calling for me to, to, to stand up and face my condition. So they became a purpose for you to actually, as you say, get up. And, um, yeah. and you know, um, the other thing that you did mention, because I know that in your anthropology uh, studies, you were in Mahalisburg. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of your studies were on um, the on on the healing and and how isolated many of those um, people were in that area, 
and that mm-hmm. you you talked about I was on a a, a YouTube with you I mean a, a Zoom meeting with you for logotherapy on Sunday that you were hosting and you spoke about healing rituals. What would you have yes. liked at the time for yourself for the healing of the trauma of of leaving your country as a refugee in a hurry and of losing a beloved wife? Okay, yeah, that's a very important question, and and I think it's it comes to us thinking actually in terms of what are we doing with our suffering in our life. I mm-hmm. definitely the experience I went through, I definitely felt neglected and not taken care of, not only by the, the, the mainly by the system in which I was working here as as a, as a medical doctor. We tend to not pay attention to what people are going through. So, so, so definitely yes, and that's actually one of the things which inspired me to work toward how to facilitate healing. Of course, in an African context, we would easily say it through rituals. But when you say rituals, other people, people easily get. Um, uh, they freak out. You think of, uh, I don't know, uh, religion or, or, or strange uh, spiritual activities, but it's a ritual just in the ordinary sense of saying that one is acknowledged and one is allowed to reconnect with himself and with other people. And for me, that is something I've observed that is lacking in our system. And even currently now with COVID uh, pandemic, I, I see a lot of pain and a lot of people going through bereavement, a lot of people losing their loved one, but not being given an opportunity to, 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 to process that, an opportunity to acknowledge and restore and reintegrate themselves. And actually, this is even affecting us health workers. Imagine in South Africa, since the lockdown, it's almost one year now. Mm. I don't know if there is any doctor or any nurse somewhere or any other psychologist or any other health professionals who have had a space where one could stop and acknowledge what we have gone through. We have lost our colleague, we have lost family members, we have lost our uh, patients and those who have survived the illness, some are still afflicted by suffering, and we haven't had space, an official space, where we process this. And I think that for me, that it's very, very, very uh, risky because then it's having a negative impact on our mental uh, well-being. So so, so that's a quite an important... Uh, very important. And you know... In my life, yes. I do believe that within this, the trauma, the frontline medical workers and all the medical workers, the trauma of of that loss of of safety. Uh, yeah, I read yeah. one of your papers that you put out, and you mm-hmm. said that you know it was going into the hospital not knowing first of all what was going to be happening, being stopped at the gate. Just go through that a bit. It was, uh, you, 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 uh, called it a look at a disruptive diary. And you said that when you got to the gate of the clinic where you were running a child mental health, uh, uh workshop. 
and uh, and you spoke about the, that the sense then first of all a xenophobic sense and and also the the not knowing you, you just can you go through that for a moment do you know yeah, which I, I called it yes i called it a disruptive uh, diary because uh, uh, I, I, I happen because of the research I'm doing and, and myself and, and the, my kind of orientation, I do write my own diary to reflect on my life. And then what I've observed is, is that there is a sense of disruption in, in my routine, daily life. So, so the experience I had on that day, and again, this is a good uh, experience I wanted to share to show that despite the pain and the suffering, there are moments of, of, of blessing and hope. So, so, so I go at the gate of the clinic where I'm working, a security guard stops. A security guard with whom I've had arguments some, some, some times back. And in that moment when he stops me, I'm, I'm irritated. I'm like, what, what's going to happen again? Are we going to go into another argument? And for me, I interpret the argument as him treating me as, as a foreign doctor. And mm -hmm. as, as, as I stopped, he looked at me and said, Doctor, please, when you go in the clinic, be careful. Because we have just registered five people who tested for COVID positive. For me, that moment was moment of blessing, looking at this person on with his mask and just listening to him, you could have a sense of him caring for me. What a difference so, so, from thinking yes, of it just, as a xenophobic yes, stop to that. Yes, just, mm. You just feel that this person is really literally caring for me because he did not have to tell me. He did not mm. have to um, ask me to be more cautious in, in entering the, the, the clinic. And then for me, I felt that it needed to, to share that moment because the, the tendency we have is that we share quite a lot of bad experience in our life and mourn about it, which I, I, don't, I don't, it's important for us to, to acknowledge our, our suffering and bad moment, but it's very, very important for us to acknowledge the, the love we receive and the attention, the care we receive from other people, like in the case of these, uh, this, this, this gentleman. I should say in the, the same, the moment I was talking to, 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 to the security guard, the nurse called me on the phone and said, please, doctor, we have closed the clinic. I'm sorry, I should have told you before you come at the clinic. We have closed the clinic because we need to go through the process of sanitizing the clinic again and make it safe. For mm -hmm. me, that, that, that was, was, was again a sense of feeling loved and taken care of by another human being. And, and mm -hmm. for me, that, that's something to, to acknowledge and celebrate that, that despite our differences, despite whatever we are going through, we can still find people who truly and genuinely take care of, of us. And I think what you're saying there is so important because in this time of COVID, I think it is so necessary that we do affirm one another. We, we recognize each other's strengths. We recognize each other's pain and, and struggle. 
and realize that everyone is going through their own struggles. You know, so often lately people have said, well, there's a big difference in suffering. I mean, what's going on in our townships compared to in our suburbs is a very big difference. And certainly it is. But I do think that we must not move away from also recognizing that everyone collectively is actually struggling in this pandemic. What do you think about yeah. that? Do you agree? I, 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 to I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And if, if you allow me to take you back. So, so as I said, uh, having my twins and, and, and my wife, that was definitely a blessing for me. But for me to live and be able to, 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 to care and take care of my, my family, I needed to work. So I find myself to work in a, the hospital uh, or clinic as, as, as I'm doing. That has expanded my view that there was a calling for me to try and advocate for a change on the way we are providing our health care. So I'm coming back to what you have just said. I believe... COVID, like many other uh, pandemic and other illnesses, have come to show us that we are a very fragmented community. We are very fragmented. We, 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 we have learned to live isolated from each other. And it's important for us, for our survival, especially survival from COVID, it's important for us to realize how connected we are to each other. That's not so admitting true. that and not uh, 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 not not waiting for the connection it's going to cause more more pain among mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. and because of that then it's important for us to start uh, acknowledging the the humanness of each other and not disregard and exclude other people it doesn't matter there are many differences colors difference cultural differences professional differences economic differences, we need to transcend all those differences. If we do not transcend those differences, I'm afraid we are going to uh, into, into suffering. There is a concept which I think I agree with other people. In our case, in my case as health professional, I say as health professional, we are witness of suffering. And I believe all of us are witness of suffering. We every day daily witness other people suffering and being a witness of suffering affect us in one way or another generally we deny that but it does affect us so we mm -hmm. need to take care of ourselves and take care of those we can take care of uh, around us yeah absolutely and you know uh, you also said something the other day about uh, silent denial. In denial, there's often a silence in that denial. What What do you mean by that silence in the denial? Is that what you're meaning now? That we're not really recognizing the humanity of each other? Yes. Uh, for, for me, it goes... Uh, uh, I, again, through, through my own personal experience and the experience of my, my daily experience uh, in my, my uh, clinical uh, practice, what I've observed is that violence on its own, violence on its own pushes us to silence. Mm -hmm. And the, the suffering, the suffering uh, 
resulting from 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 violence or, or resulting from illnesses generally it pushes us in violence in silence sorry uh, because it challenges us to to communicate it's very difficult to communicate to another fellow human being the experience of suffering it's 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 a it's a it's a private uh, experience which is very challenging to 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 express or describe to another human being and generally because it is painful as i said and when 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 one witness suffering it's also unpleasant experience to listen to a, a story of suffering so so what what we do generally is that we keep quiet and mm -hmm. some of us would even deny that that has happened because in a way it's kind of uh, smooth as it's kind of put at, at ease uh, and not looking at it. But but that unfortunately in some situation would even send us into uh, a kind of dissociation where, where, where our own feelings, emotions and thoughts and even memory uh, historical events are totally ignored and silenced. And, and that's very, to, very, very, very disturbing. That is such an important point, and we're going to get back to that in a moment. We're just going to an ad break. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Chai FM, and I'm back with Dr. Alphonse Kunder, and we are talking about rising strong. And Dr. Kunder, you've just mentioned the disassociation, how sometimes in the suffering and in the pain, we do disassociate from what is actually happening around us. Won't you just pick up on that point again? Yeah, uh, and, and before I pick up on that, because this is a very complex issue and it's very important to me, I wanted to say as well, when we talk of violence, and, and that's uh, through my own observations, uh, what, what I've learned as well, is important for us not to limit only to physical violence, the, the, the violence we see. It's important for us to realize we, we have what others have called structural violence. We, we, we have many forms of, of, of violence, which generally goes um, invisible, unnoticed. And, and that can be very, very painful for, 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 uh, for the victim. One form just of violence us. which... We, yes, sorry, one, I was going to say, one just form, give us. Well, mm? one form of violence which I am very concerned about in South Africa, especially as a doctor working with a clear uh, uh, interests and, and supporting people living in the rural area, in rural area is poverty. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid that we have gone used to seeing people living in poverty and seeing it as a normal experience. Poverty, in many instances, it's a structural violence. People are not poor because they want to be poor, but they are poor because they've been put in a situation where they are kept in poverty. Because mm -hmm. wrong decisions have been taken, 
because of the structure of, 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 of the country, of the society. So poverty, that's a, a, a kind of a, a structural uh, 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 violence which, which, which we, we generally do not talk about and generally uh, have learned to live as if it's, we are not seeing it. Mm, it's so true. It's almost, well, I, I, I do have to agree with you that I think it's sometimes it's easier to deny that it's out there than to feel the pain of knowing it's there. And at the moment, I think we're seeing it more and more. If we leave our homes, the, the poverty is on every single street corner far more than it was before. Even young yeah. children now are, are out there and, uh, I think sometimes to try and protect ourselves from the pain of what's really happening, we we do go into this disassociation, which is so dangerous to do. If you would like to SMS us, please do so on 34519, or you can telegram us on 061-895-1019. Now, Dr. Kanda, just to go back, you know, you do when... With your anthropology studies, uh, you did do it in uh, in the Michalisburg area, and as you said, that was the cradle of humankind. And one of the main things that you feel that we need to understand is that we are all human, and we need to get back to actually recognizing one another's humanity. And I love that because especially as that's where your anthropology studies were being done. Do you yeah, mm, go on? Yeah. Now, I want to say that that's anthropology for me it's inspired as well by Frankel, who has a who has a psych, psychiatric credo, what he called psychiatric credo. He mm -hmm. is for him uh, that decision of seeing the humanness of everyone despite the illness. So for him, even the most psychotic patient is still. A human being who has to be treated with dignity. That, that's for me, uh, what inspired that my, my attitude uh, in, 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 in my research as 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 a, as a, as, a, as, a, as an anthropologist is mm. is to maintain and to acknowledge the humanness of each one of us, regardless of of, of our differences and situation we are living in. And, you know, you also mentioned that the, you know, we, it, it, we also need to look at it how it occurs within context of uh, chronic illnesses, especially in the mental health field as well. And, um, you know, the, which, with HIV, with TB, with, um, with other, um, well, the pandemics that we have had. And you talk about the collision of the pandemics with, with, um, the population. Yeah, yeah, that's an expression which some, uh, how do you call them, epidemiologists would use. We, we have, especially in South Africa, in most of our African countries, we, we have this sense of having a collision of different pandemic happening at the same time. You, you have, like, in this very same situation, Infectious illnesses like like HIV, TB, and COVID uh, uh, occurring in the same time with illnesses, lifestyle illnesses like hypertension and diabetes. So, so, so that kind of context for me, it's a, it's a, it's a very 
Um, it's a context defined by, by suffering, definitely, which need to be acknowledged. But beside this context of different illnesses happening at the same time, we also have to realize the, 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 the as we are saying, the context of structural, uh, structural, structural violence, as well as the context of, of, of our health system, uh, having personally, I believe it's a health system in crisis. Mm, it's definitely. a health system in crisis on different level in the way we, 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 we treat and manage uh, conditions. I believe we, we, we need to stop and reconfigure our system so that we can truly be able to manage this chronic uh, condition. The mm -hmm. chronic condition cannot be managed as we, we manage acute condition. They, they need a different attitude, they need a different approach, and they especially need to, to maintain that sense of humanness of people who are having this condition. Because many of these people have been reduced to their illness. They identify themselves to their illness, and they miss, in that way, they miss to live life as human being, despite or regardless the, the, the condition they are heavy. So they've taken on that that label, and that's who yeah. they've become. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I mean, what did Frankel say? Um, um, each man is questioned by life, and he can only answer to life by answering for his own life. To life, he yeah. can only respond by being responsible. And I think you know that uh, that saying of his is so important, especially for now. But I do believe that in the, often in a rural community where they are struggling a subsistence farming or whatever to try and live, um, it's very different to actually uh, question life, to know that there is something greater out there. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and based on the, 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 the Franco quote you have just uh, uh, given us now, I, I, I've come to to believe that every suffering it's a call, it's a calling for us. When we are faced with any type of suffering, we are being called to do something. Even when it is a suffering, yes. Sorry. We're going to get back to our call. We've just mm. going to ad break. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, uh, this is Sue Jackson and I'm back with Dr. Alphonse Kanda. And um, the, a message came through just now and it says, what an amazing way to view life. Thank you, Dr. Kanda. Thank you for that message. Um, Dr. Panda, you were talking about, because we're going to be told just so, soon to wrap up, but you were talking about okay. the suffering is a call. What is it a call to, towards? It, it, it's, it's, a, it's suffering, it's always, any suffering, it's a call to respond to life. Mm -hmm. Each moment of suffering has a call to respond to life. And 
even when the suffering is bigger than us, it's a suffering, as Franco would call it, unavoidable suffering. It's then a call for us to have the right attitude, to stand up right as a human being and maintain our dignity, not only for ourselves, but for everybody around us. So, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a calling to, to, to respond to life. Because life always talks to us. Life is always in, 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 in communication with us. It presents us task, uh, a demand, things which we have to do uh, at, 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 at each moment. And life is a hard taskmaster, isn't it? But Definitely, have, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Definitely, uh, before we end, I wanted to mention you, especially in this time of COVID, I think this is very important. You mentioned um, on Sunday in our logotherapy um, group session there on Zoom, you spoke about a paper patient, uh, how, you know, paper patients. Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't know if uh, that's what you're referring to. The paper patient is how in, in healthcare, we easily turn to start treating the result, treating the test, treating the lab result, and not treating the human being in front of us. Actually, uh -huh. uh, uh, some, people, some people have even said we have, yes, we have moved from treating paper patient. We are now treating screen patient because it's easy for me just to go on my cell phone, get the lab result. Uh, of my patient and prescribe medication. In that way, I don't get in contact with 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 my fellow human being. And this, mm -hmm. for me, again, Frankel challenges us to apply what he calls true encounter. We really have to meet the other human being as a really a human being. Besides the lab results, besides all the gadget we have around, I, I don't know if that's what you are referring to. Yes, uh, absolutely, and I see it as a great challenge in this time of COVID, when our patients are not being allowed visitors and their family mm. around them more than ever. You know, I think they are longing for that human connection, just that recognition. Mm that they are suffering and that we do recognize them as a fellow human being. I, I have to say here that I have to, to salute many of my colleagues in different places who have take that, taken that responsibility of keeping the humanness of patients suffering from COVID. There are many doctors and nurses who have taken the courage to mm -hmm. keep that humanness. Uh, character by 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 keeping really a, a human relationship with the patient. I would really uh, like to, to mention that, and that for me is a source of a source of inspiration. But at the same time, it's important for us to to, to continue uh, advocating for a, a human way of providing healthcare. That that's very important. Very important, and I'm being told to wrap up. But on that note, I think it's just incredibly important to remember and to recognize the, our health workers. 
And, you know, Confucius said, our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. So, Dr. Kanda, I think your talk today has really inspired people to rise up, to rise to their challenge and to go on and find meaning within it. Thank you so much for being on my program. We have got a song that's going to be ending. It's called Rise Up by Andra Day. And would you like to just say goodbye, and then we'll go back to the studio. Thank you, Sue, and thanks to all your listeners for allowing me to be with you. And thanks a lot. I would really uh, wish that we work toward restoration of, of our human dignity. Thank you. Wonderful to end on that note. Thank you so much, Dr. Kanda. I will be in touch. Bye. Thanks. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.